Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. It wasn't that long ago that Californians were living under some pretty tight rules aimed at conserving water. You couldn't water your yard so much that the water ran off into the street or sidewalk or hose down a driveway, Paul Rogers reminds us in his piece for the Mercury News. Watering landscaping within 48 hours of rain was forbidden, and if you washed a car with a hose, it had to have a nozzle. These rules and others expired in 2017, but now California is entering another drought. And as of Monday, we now have 41 California counties in a drought emergency. So should the state rules be reinstated? You can tell us what you think at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. And Paul Rogers joins me now. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Thanks for coming on. I should remind our listeners of a couple of the other rules that you reminded me of, that hotels had to put up signs telling customers they could choose not to have their sheets and towels washed every day. Ornamental fountains were prohibited unless they recycled water and cities couldn't water grass on street medians. So can you remind us, Paul, why these rules were put in in the first place? And why they yes. were lifted. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, as people might remember, uh, we had another drought uh, from 2012 to 2016. And as that drought began worsening, uh, our former governor, Jerry Brown, declared a statewide drought emergency in uh, April of 2014. And uh, he issued an executive order uh, requiring the State Water Resources Control Board uh, to draw up water wasting rules, basically prohibitions against wasting water. So that board, uh, which is made up of a governor's appointees, uh, passed some rules three months later, and they did all the things like you just mentioned, you know, you can't hose down your driveway and all that kind of stuff. And basically, uh, they were the law for three years. But when it really began raining hard in 2017, uh, we all remember the flooding in downtown San Jose, uh, the, the crisis at Oroville Dam, um, he lifted the drought emergency, and those rules had been put in under his emergency authority. So they expired. But Brown asked the water board to make them permanent because they, he said they seem like common sense solutions in a dry state. Uh, the board did that. Uh, they had a meeting February 2018 to make them permanent. 
But then the rules were controversial at that meeting and the board basically dropped them and never came back to them. So uh, although we have those kinds of rules as local ordinances in some cities, uh, we don't have any statewide rules like that as we head into another drought. So why did those rules become controversial? What was the controversy? (laughs) Well, I I think this issue shows that in California, uh, nearly everything about water is complicated and controversial. You know, even those things that seem completely simple and innocuous. Um, The short version is that um, a number of big cities like Los Angeles, uh, the folks who run East Bay Municipal Utilities District in the East Bay, uh, folks at Santa Clara Valley Water District in the South Bay, they were okay with the rules. They didn't mind if they were made permanent. Um, They had a few little tweaks on them, uh, but they really were okay with them. But others, uh, lawyers for some uh, big water agencies, including the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, which runs the Hetch Hetchy system in four Bay Area counties, along with agricultural water lawyers in places like Westlands Water District in Fresno, they said that the rules would set a bad precedent uh, that could be used to infringe on their water rights. And the reason is because the legal basis for those rules was part of the state constitution uh, that bans, quote, waste and unreasonable use, unquote, of water. Hmm. And that's a very kind of broad and, and difficult to define term. And it hasn't been used very much as an enforcement tool. And so these guys were worried that, oh, my God, if the state board starts passing rules, statewide rules, Uh, that bans waste and unreasonable use of water, then what if they want to do it for other things? Like what if they say that you can't grow almonds over over tapped aquifers in the Central Valley because that's waste and unreasonable use? And it became like this quasi-religious thing at that meeting where, you know, one attorney for Westland's Water District got up and started quoting Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail. He was quoting Shakespeare. Uh, Another attorney for an irrigation district in Sacramento Valley said, if the board did this, uh, they could order water agencies in cities not to send water to homes where undocumented immigrants live. I mean, the rhetoric just got really sort of colorful and over the top. Mm. Um, And the Brown administration backed off. They did not uh, take up the the rules again. And sources told me that the reason was because uh, Jerry Brown only had 10 months left in office and he didn't want to have his water staff uh, tied up in lawsuits over this issue because it was raining and the drought was over. And he was trying to push the Delta tunnels and other big things. Mm. So it basically just didn't get done. And here we are three years later. We're talking with Paul Rogers, natural resources and environment reporter for the San Jose Mercury News. His recent piece is why California has no statewide water wasting rules as it heads into a new drought. I'm asking you, our listeners, if you think we should reimpose our expired water waste rules as this drought emergency grows. I'm also curious, what's your go to water conservation strategy? You can tell us by emailing us forum at kqed.org, getting in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED forum, or give us a call 866-733-6786. Andy writes, my go to water conservation strategy is to remind my leaders in Sacramento that 80% of our water goes to agricultural uses, and that system is a complete hodgepodge of historical water rights that make no sense. They need to see that a 10% reduction in agricultural uses is the same as 50% reduction in private usage. Your reaction to that, Paul? (laughs) Um, That is true. Uh, There's a lot of controversy over what percent of the state's water is used by whom. But uh, essentially, 80% of the water that's used by people 
in California is used by agriculture. Now, farmers like to broaden it and say that, you know, 40% goes to ag and like 40% goes to quote the environment, meaning that's water that's left in rivers uh, for fish and rivers that aren't dammed in places like Big Sur and the North Coast. Um, but it is important to realize, even though farmers are using 80% of what we call the developed water, um, that water isn't really transferable to a lot of urban areas. So for example, if you live in you know, Marin County where they're having water shortages right now, um, and a farmer in Bakersfield um, uses 10% less water because he's not pumping out as much groundwater, you don't get that water. It's not like there's some pipe from Bakersfield to Marin, so you get that extra water. So the water that you do save in your urban area is, for the most part, your area's water. And it's the water that you'll have for uh, next year if we're dry next year. You know, an example, um, half of the drinking water in Silicon Valley and in, in Santa Clara County comes from groundwater. So if they conserve water in San Jose, that's more water left in the ground for next year, regardless of what someone in Fresno is doing with almond trees. Well, let me go to caller Jessica in Menlo Park. Hi, Jessica. Hi, um, sort of along the same lines as with agriculture. Um, you know, in my area, I have how many different um, golf courses that use more water than I think any of us put together. And so until um, golf courses and similar types of places have to start, you know, being more careful with their water and cutting back, it seems kind of ridiculous that all of us have to go to such extremes. Hmm. Jessica, thanks. I, I'm curious, Paul, like how well did these rules that we had work? How much of an impact did it make, say, to have a hose with a nozzle uh, if you're washing your car or, you know, making sure that people didn't hose down their driveways? Good, good question. Uh, the State Water Board staff, when they prepared the permanent rules, they looked into that and it was about 12,000 acre feet a year was their estimate. Uh, an acre foot is an acre. So think of an area the size of a football field, uh, a foot deep. That's an acre foot of water, about 325,000 gallons. It's about what two families of five in Northern California would use in a year. So, you know, 12,000 acre feet is about enough for 120,000 people for a year. Now, statewide, that's not a ton. Um, and that was one of the arguments that the opponents were using why these shouldn't be made permanent. Um, environmental groups and water conservation uh, advocates said, yeah, that's true, but it sends a bigger message. If you go to a hotel and you see a little sign that says you don't have to um, water your or wash your uh, towels or your sheets every night, or you see a little, uh, you know, someone in a restaurant says, do you want water or not? They believe that that's a messaging um, reinforcement that has value and that that carries over in the rest of your life because it makes you aware that we are a dry state and we are in a, in a water crisis. Huh. So there's that um, part of it. Yeah. On the, on the golf course uh, issue, you know, that's, that's a great point. And uh, if the drought continues to worsen, we will see restrictions on golf courses, just like we saw in the last drought. And if you look at the water rules that the Marin Municipal Water District uh, has passed recently in the last few weeks, which are the toughest uh, in the Bay Area, uh, those limit uh, golf course watering basically to tees and greens. So uh, we're going to see a lot of brown golf courses um, coming up uh, this summer and probably after that. There does seem, though, to be this current I'm hearing that people do feel like 
the onus is too much on individuals to conserve when you have these larger entities that are using so much water. What do you think about that? Well, uh, you know, again, as I mentioned with the farmers, um, it's true. Farmers use most of the water in the state. But again, the water system statewide is not all interconnected. So farmers right. saving water somewhere else doesn't necessarily mean that there, that's more water for you in your urban area. We have a lot of regional water systems where people are getting water locally or from one exclusive place, and there isn't the overlap. Um, so it's important on it for everybody to um, not be wasteful with water because we don't know if this drought is going to last two years or 10 years. And remember, uh, Australia had a drought uh, earlier in um, the 21st century that lasted basically 12 years. Um, our last drought, uh, the, the, the 2012 uh, to 2016 drought, that was a five-year drought. And in the historic record in California, when you look back over the past uh, couple of thousand years, looking at tree rings, uh, and other um, indicators. California had two droughts in the last 2000 years that lasted more than 100 years. So um, there's a lot of evidence from scientists that the 20th century was among the wettest centuries of the last uh, 2000 years in California. And, um, you know, we may have long prolonged dry periods. We're, we're never going to completely run out of water because we have uh, an endless source, which is the Pacific Ocean. And if it became uh, dire, in other words, if we had a drought that lasted 20 years, for example, uh, we would build uh, massive desal plants up and down the coast. 75% of California's population lives within one hour of the coast. We would do what Australia started to do, build massive desal plants. Everybody's water bills would go up four or five times. It would be illegal to water any grass at all anywhere. Uh, but we wouldn't run out of water. We would, recycle, uh, we would recycle all of our wastewater like Israel does. You know, there's countries all over the world that get five inches of rain a year with millions of people. Um, San Jose, um, Fresno, uh, Los Angeles get 15 inches a year. That's the same amount as Casablanca, Morocco. So we're a dry state. Uh, we do have a safety net, which is the Pacific Ocean, but we don't want to really have to ever go there. <laughs> Well, I hate to leave listeners with that thought to some extent. <laughs> it's very complicated, but this is a fundraising period for many public radio stations, so I do have to allow that. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Paul Rogers about California's lack of statewide water waste mandates as the state enters a drought and uh, what lies ahead for California. I've asked you, our listeners, to tell us what you think and what's your go-to water conservation strategy. And let me go to Camille in Los Gatos. Hi, Camille. Hi, uh, I, we installed a recirculation pump, and then we also installed a Wi-Fi controller for it. So from my phone, I can turn the research pump on right before I take a bath or shower, and then turn it right back off. So we don't let a lot of water go down the drain. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you found that solution. Thanks for sharing that, Camille. Uh, let me go to Cole in San Francisco. Hi, Cole. What do you want to say? Hi there. Uh, well, I had a question. Um, it seems like every time we talk about a drought in California, uh, we we read these articles that deal with the Nestle Corporation and their not so mm. secret now um, contracts that they have with um, with our state, enable to uh, that enables them to pull water from aquifers, essentially using a public resource and then literally sell it back to us. Oftentimes, you know, in you know, not non reusable, non green uh, plastic bottles. So I'm wondering. 
how much of this is true? How much can, you know, of this is still happening? Uh, can we stop it? And what repercussions does the Nestle Corporation uh, face or could face to get them to stop basically selling a public resource back to the public? Cole, thanks. Paul Rogers. Um, I'm not up on the very latest on that, but yeah, the, uh, Nestle had a contract with the federal government uh, to take water. I believe it was out of the San Bernardino National Forest in Southern California. Caused a lot of controversy. Um, as I recall, uh, most recently, that was being either stopped or dialed back. Um, you know, there are lots of public resources that uh, corporations uh, bid on and sell back to us. When you go to uh, Home Depot and you buy lumber, that lumber was cut by a private company on a national forest. Um, when you buy beef at the grocery store, uh, those cattle were grazed often on BLM or national forest land, and they don't pay a lot of money. When you go skiing at Lake Tahoe, you're skiing on a national forest, and the ski resort is paying about a dollar to the government for every hundred dollars that they make in profit. So, uh, yeah, it's an area uh, ripe for reform. Well, Cole writes, if urban water users want to make a dent in agricultural water use, we should stop eating meat. Let me go to Paul in Ventura. Hi, Paul. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Go right ahead. Well, I have a question is what percentage of the water usage is commercial um, versus residential versus agricultural? Hmm. And I also have a comment. Go right um, ahead. Well, could you answer the question? Could he possibly answer the question first? Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, state, statewide developed water uh, is 80% uh, agricultural. It's about, um, and this is going to be off by 1% or 2%, it's about 10% residential and 10% commercial, industrial, and government. So what's your follow-up, so, Paul? So residents only use 10%. Wouldn't it make more sense to go after the 90% use? And secondly, uh, everything needs to have a price, if, you know, supply and demand. It's my understanding that some people pay as little as $40 an acre foot, and some people pay as high as $2,500 an acre foot. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. It depends what, where you're getting your water from. So, for example, in Southern California, uh, the uh, city of San Diego, or the San Diego Water Agency down there, um, built a uh, desalination plant during the last drought. Um, it's, it's in Carlsbad. I've been down, I've toured it. Um, that plant uh, produces eight or 9% of San Diego's water supply. Now, um, the water is expensive when you do desalinated water because it uses a lot of energy, uh, to desalinate the water. And that costs, uh, about 22, $2,300 an acre foot of water. There are some farmers, um, in California who have senior water rights, through the Central Valley Project, which is a federal project, or the State Water Project, the state project. And they have contracts that they secured a long time ago for a, a very little. Um, and again, uh, the question is, um, you know, legally, um, can you break up those contracts? Uh, what does it mean for the communities and the people who live in those communities? Um, can you shift that, that water from one place to another? Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes it's like I said, there, there isn't really a way if a farmer is using less water because he's getting a lot from the groundwater, for example, to get that water to Ventura or to Marin. Um, it, they're, they're separate aquifers, they're separate basins, they're separate systems. 
Well, Jackie writes this thought that that we can leave with. I was a teenager when Governor Brown's stringent water restrictions went into place, and those rules have positively impacted how I conserve water by turning off the tap when I brushed my teeth, taking short showers, and being mindful of how much I water my plants. Imagine what a difference it would make if everyone learned to change those everyday habits. Well, mindfulness seems to be the theme of this hour. Paul Rogers, thank you very much for talking with us today. Thank you. You know, I'll leave you with a, a positive bit of news. We're using 16% less water right now, uh, urban, uh, as we were during the last drought. Well, we love to leave with the positive. And also thanks to Susie Britton and Caroline Smith for today's segments. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.